Welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Ace McKay, where our website, EWTNRadio.net, is stocked up, ready at Podcast Central with some of the best podcasts that you can hear from around the world. And the great thing about it, you can download and listen on demand anytime. So we want to spotlight this week heading into Easter, as we've enjoyed today with family and friends and with Mass, an opportunity with Poco a Poco, talking about Jesus's authority through his obedience to the Father and what it meant when he went to the cross on this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. You're listening to the Poco a Poco podcast, sponsored by Spirit Juice Studios. Poco a poco vamos a llegar. Somos peregrinos and you know that's who we are. We make our way. Hey, hey. hey everybody. I'm Father PT. I'm Father, <laughs> I'm Father Angelus. I'm Father Innocent. And I am Father Mark <laughs> That happens about like once every 10 episodes. Yeah. Angelus attempts I look to hijack. An, I look for an opening. It's I usually find. when he, it's like his, like he... He needs something to like wake, like get himself excited. Yeah, he's like not into it. I am always into <laughs> it. Dude, do you hear the postmans are like cleaning the bath? We have a come see coming, and mm-hmm. they're cleaning right outside that door. <laughs> when we finished the last episode, went out there, they were all there. It's like they were spying on us. Yeah, but I don't think they were doing that. Um, it's we, okay. Uh, it's all right. You can just hear them. <laughs> not really, but we'll just, uh, Father. Angelus, are you doing okay? As <laughs> I, I am. you know, the the listeners know at this point that we often record. Well, no, we strictly record multiple episodes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> if it was often, they no, should be a little bit easier. At this point, it's only <laughs> and typically it's four episodes, which is a stretch for it Father, is. for especially for <laughs> Father Angelus. For specific people, it's mm. hard. <laughs> I mean, it is for everybody, but I'm just. Do you want to just do you want to just have like a three episode contract? And we'll just do the fourth, oh, fourth one without you. Working out contracts, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll do the first one without Father PT. Or you're you're good with all four. Hey, I never say anything. No, no, that's, that's true. That's true. Let's this reduce is, the games here. No. We, we were talking <laughs> about a full season. Sorry, sorry. We're talking about a certain basketball player who mm-hmm. plays about half the games he's on a team. We got a, we got one, Father Angelus over there. Wow. I am entirely and fully committed <laughs> to this operation. <laughs> What's a uh, load management? Mm-hmm. He's all about load management. Yeah, you know, I've got, never heard that term before. Gotta yeah, get so like in basketball, especially where you play, I mean, three games in four nights or four games in five oh, nights. Oh yeah, you, you have might to take manage a game minutes. Off. Yeah, manage minutes. Well, some players would take the night off. <coughs> load management to as far as like the load that they're carrying, so that way they can be more fresh for the playoffs. And so yeah. we're just trying to get you. I ready. just feel like, that's like a real thing. That's why do like top players do that? They do. And so there's this whole thing because let's say, for instance, a team comes to a city once a year, like the Warriors, for instance, they come to Cleveland or wherever it is. And that night, Steph Curry, Draymond, and because sometimes we would like together as like a whole yeah, yeah. like group or even like a Steph Curry's not playing. It's a big thing where this one fan came to see Steph Curry and now he's not playing because he's played three games or four nights. And so. Um, so Steph does that as well. He'll yeah, I think kind of they all do now, right? Yeah. I know but, a lot of people listen to hear me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the thing is like we're, we're trying to give you time off so like you're ready for money time which is advent right that's your playoffs like yeah money time so that's question a long, that's a long will, ways will away. he go to the game and sit on the bench yeah oh, so he'll be there yeah and like he might shoot around and stuff like that so you can see that but once again it's a different experience besides like not having him in the game so Super interesting yeah it's like sometimes like how more fellow mary like emotion checks out for us sometimes like, often hey, we want you here but like, really a, here yeah but he, but he can only do so many. So he has to, when he goes strong, he has mm-hmm. to take a couple, a couple, yeah. some time, some times off. Yeah. 
Can we go back to Frankenstein? I just want to, in case there's anybody out there that is is, uh, maybe concerned about my commitment to the team here, I am very committed. You just asked the question, do we have to do four 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 in a row? I'm just vulnerable. It's like, just four in a row is hard. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's a long day. It's it's not easy being me. <laughs> Bro, we and we accept the vulnerability and we, we thank you for and it. Father Mark said, gently, Mary said, get over yourself. <laughs> we just gently push it away. <laughs> we just push it right back to you. <laughs> Father Mark Mary hears me out. It's the same thing every time. Do we have to do four? And he's like, I hear you. And then it's like, we're doing four, get over it. Well, it's I, interesting said, I said, or we can do three and just add another recording time, yeah. you know? And the hard thing is getting us all together to be able to have the four of us to, mm-hmm. to schedule and, and do it. So that's the priority. Sometimes. We just want to be together, all four of us. Doing one or two at a time would be yeah, like most optimal, but it's just not possible. It's not possible or cost effective. And just to be equal, like opportunists about this, where like especially our schedules are difficult to get together because people are taking two or three weeks of solitude you know, at a time. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of tough just to nah, get. I did not think get, about that. <laughs> just very... to get all of our schedules together. Seven day hermitages, you know, two two week solitude. I was so. in Texas. I yeah. was at Seek. I was, yeah, I mean. No, I'm just at, I'm just at the Houston to clean the bathrooms. That's all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you're doing? <laughs> That's it. Bro, I can teach you how to be a local bro, servant, bro. I literally know the guy who cleans the bathrooms. <laughs> I totally know. <laughs> That's not you. <laughs> Oh. All right. So this this episode, we're not going to fully go into it yet. This episode mm. is Wednesday before Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday is coming up. And for some reason, thinking of Palm Sunday and then eventually Holy Week, the third <laughs> one makes me think of uh, seminary because the, the, I think the the uh, we tend to be in charge of liturgies when we were seminarians. And so there's a lot more elaborate things. So for this week, all I want to do is talk about seminary of um, <clears throat> for of of um we had with the the rector of the seminary, Monsignor Vicari, we used to have these, uh, we had oral finals, like mm. midterm and final. And Father, remember, so Father Anderson and I went before Father PT for one of them. And we all had this like strategy, like, so here's what you got to do. You got to get, get control of the conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you just got to like, you know, and, and like, so he'll ask the question, whatever, and then you just like take it and you just run with it and you just don't stop running with it, right? Don't give him any space. You yeah, just got to yeah. go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> basically what i don't remember i don't remember that really working out for you but particularly can i wanted to share about the latter and four part i think that's just really funny (laughs) yeah so this was um yeah so second semester and so you basically we covered uh 800s till um the 1500 whatever the history lesson here let's go (laughs) no i'm just like trying to uh, part of this is for me remembering what, what we're covering here but anyway um what's the council the, the real the, here we go council the history of council trent thank you thank you thank you oh easy, easy <laughs> and so anyway so um you get an outline for a specific period of time and so this one was the 1200s and uh, there's just a lot of stuff happening in church history it's kind of complicated and i was like pretty good as far as like remembering things except i confused the fourth lateran <laughs> council was like the council of constance basil ferrer or something like that and the Council of Constance Basil Ferrer was like kind of insignificant. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. It was like a, a Passover thing in, in terms of history. Um, and I just conflated the two. And so I'm talking and uh, to my team Vicari, and I was like, yeah, and so fourth letter in council, council, not that big of a deal. It's kind of like blah, 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 and that. And he goes, wait, wait, sorry. Just just go back to what you just said. Is a, you just say the fourth letter in council is not a big deal. And like at that moment, like I registered, I realized, oh my gosh, I totally screwed up here. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. 
um, it actually is a big deal. And then like I started filling in information. But like in that moment, I could have had, like I had the experience where I could have said something like, yeah, and I think your mother's a horrible, <laughs> a horrible cook, you know? And he wouldn't have reacted as strongly as he did to like that point, you know? Um, it's like make, making fun of one of the councils is like making fun of one of his kids. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. But then, so just furthering out like what you, the wonderful advice, and I, and I believed it that you guys told me uh, because then a second part of it, after the outline, we had to talk about a book on the Council of Trent, which surprise, surprise, I didn't read. <laughs> and so, um, and so, my idea was going into this, cool. These guys took this this final. They said, just control the narrative, say what you need to say, and what you know about this book. Don't let him kind of like steer the conversation. <laughs> and then so it's gear I'm coming towards the end of the the outline. And I said, and just just to actually to mention, since we're we're, we're kind of getting there, Monsignor, um, I just like to mention these these three points about the book. He says, wait, before we get there, he kind of cuts me off. <laughs> Let me ask you about this. I was like, no, but I, I really want to say these three points. And he goes, no, no, no. And so like, he just basically wrestled it. He from, owned you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, and I could wrestle for a certain point, but like, I know I'm defeated. I'm like, all right, what do you, what do you got for me? And like, thanks be to God, or maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's just, he asked me questions that I actually knew. And so I was able to kind of faked it, fake it until I made it, which I did. Bro, so, I remember killing that final. <laughs> I don't know what your problem yeah. was. I mean, I got an A in it, but it was just a lot more of a, it wasn't as smooth. It was as no, no, no. It was no, no, no. It wasn't as smooth as you guys presented it to be. And, and anyway, because even Father Francesco was like, yeah, bro, just, just own it. Because even I think he, he did the same thing the previous semester because he had to go someplace earlier for home visit. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And so, but that's what it is. <laughs> Ladder, fourth ladder, ladder in council. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but telling that to a church, like a priest, church historian, yeah. nah, nah, nothing deal. And the ironic thing is, like Franciscans had, a, like it was big for our order. It was big for like the church and the Eucharist. It was a, it was, it was, a, big, it was a very big it deal. Was a big one, objectively yeah. speaking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was like, yeah, you could forget about that one. I don't even know we had a fourth ladder in council. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> nice one. Yeah, hopefully people were amused by that. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like you know it's. A, People who really know the Fourth Lateran Council, I think, are going to particularly appreciate. <laughs> and if you don't Google it and just look at all the different decrees that came out of it, was that when transubstantiation was, was probably? Oh, now you're pushing to find. I think so. There was another. Wait a second. Yeah. Did you just say? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about vulnerability, all these different things, and I, I was very comfortable in being, I guess, vulnerable and just open and honest, especially in oral finals. When because sometimes teachers push you to the place where I want to see how much you know. Um, and so during the, uh, what do you call those exams? Third year that we took comprehensive, comprehensive exams, you sit down with a teacher and they, they ask you questions on a specific subject and they try to just sometimes like see how much, you know, and it was, uh, my father Kakavali with like more, great. not moral theology was uh, Catholic social teaching. And anyway, I don't remember too much from that class. And so he was like, Hey, what about this principle? I was like, Oh, this principle means this. And he goes, and what document did that come up in? And I was like, uh, Reverend Navarro? Because like that's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the, the like quintessential yeah. document, solid, and solid goes, guess. It's Father Kakavali, he's just total, a father, a pastor, gentle <laughs> heart. He's like, mm, no, you want to guess again? And I was like, guess again. I'm thinking in my head, like, is there a Reverend Navarro too? Like, what, what about? Probably a follow-up document like, oh. to that. And I was like, hey, Father, you got me. I have no idea. He goes, come on. I taught you this in class. <laughs> I was like, I get the tenderness, but it's not helping. I, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> he goes, it's this document. And then so he asked me another question about a principle, follows up, <clears throat> what document was this in? 
I was like, my hands up. This, I was like, I have no idea. You asked me before. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not a big okay. document guy. <laughs> counselor guy. I'm not a big document guy. I'm just trying to get through this test. <laughs> I have no idea. But anyway, because that's a pass or fail uh, test. But, but anyway. You passed. I did. I'm here. You're a <laughs> so, you Yeah. Summa cum laude. What was your magna cum laude? Yeah, I was the one. I was three eight. Or five, I forgot my GPA. You three seven, three eight. So yeah. Uh, you just, this talking about seminary off. makes me makes me think of Father Angelus when they're like, <laughs> "We're concerned because you look bored." <laughs> you like bringing that up. <laughs> you, you look bored in class. Wait, no, no, I, wait a second. I am bored. I am bored in class. <laughs> <laughs> Hope seminary it. seminarians mm-hmm. don't or seminary professors don't mm-hmm. listen to this. We love you. <laughs> We're thankful for education. Don't, don't I had a great experience in seminary. It was just one class, actually. <laughs> it wasn't just one class. Hey, sometimes good things are boring. It's all right. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. And so what we're going to kind of like really focus in on here is it's been kind of, if you will, like a subplot throughout um, these, our Lenten journey so far, um, which is looking at authority. And it was on the episode talking about the, uh, the woman at the well where Father Innocent talked about Jesus and his authority and claiming his authority, particularly his authority to, to like tell you who you are and that we don't, we don't even have that authority to tell ourselves who we are, but like he has it. Um, and right, like all, like the, the main plot, if you will, <clears throat> if I forgot what they, cameraman Chris explained this to me the other day, but like in a story, there's like a main plot and a subplot. I don't know if it's just called the main plot and the subplot. Um, but- uh, Sounds good. Thanks, cameraman Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But- uh, <laughs> Right. So we've, we've like the main thing we've been focusing on is just this journey of like surrendering. And I do think that that throughout uh, the Lenten journey that the, as Jesus's own life is, it is this, it's like an ongoing sort of um, kind of uh, leaning into to poverty. And, and, and it is like a, it is a, a kind of journey in which we kind of like grow through, through stripping. I think, um, was it John of the Cross used, was it his image about like when you climb the mountain, mm-hmm. like you see whatever people, everybody like left behind so they can keep going up the mountain. Um, and so we, we kind of began with the surrendering of control going into the desert. We talked about like the surrendering of, of a lot of the comforts and, and allowing the Lord to lead us kind of away and then apart to the mountain of theophany. We talked about um, kind of leaving behind the, uh, the shadows being, being kind of clothed with the light and, and, and the truth of who we are. We talked about, um, sort of uh kind of being clothed with the fullness of hope and 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 radical hope in jesus and um and also and then you know he's his conquering of of the grave um or i guess and then like sort of the hope of the resurrection um but but then again there's like this authority right and i think that particularly in the desert right so we began uh the first sunday of lent we begin in the desert there is a there is this part in which like um where Jesus from all eternity, right? He like receives like his authority from the father. And there's this sense of like, okay, first we're establishing that what I have, I have from, from the father. And, and, and it's like, um, and, and so he's a voice, like he's able to, he like battles, if you will, these temptations of, of, of the enemy. And he's like living in like this father and sort of establishing himself rooted, um, and and sharing sort of by nature and, and, and the authority of the father. And then we go to, um, we go to the mountaintop, right? And there's this, there's, there's the father speaking. This is my beloved son. Uh, listen to him, right? That he's receiving the authority, or it's being manifest that he's receiving it, like it's, it's from the father. And he's there with, with Moses and Elijah, giving witness that, like he is, uh, he is, he is, if you will, he has the authority. He says he has. And then, um, I think with, um, 
So over, like he's showing his first, like at the, with the Samaritan woman, like he's showing that like where he has the authority to be um, like, like this new worship and he's establishing this authority that like he is the one to be worshiped in spirit and in truth and that he has, he has authority um, over sin and that he is the Messiah. He's the one sent. He has the authority also to tell us who we are and he's the authority to like, to name us and to like identify us. And it's like not our sin. It's not something we do for ourselves. I think then with uh, the healing of the blind man, he is like, he's showing that like, he's basically saying like echoing, like let there be light. So at the beginning of time through him, right, there was all of creation and, and, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And here Jesus basically says, let there be light to this blind man. And there's light. He's revealing his, his authority over sin last week. And then the authority over sin over, over nature. And then, um, just the the last episode we did where he shows that like he i am the resurrection and life and that i have authority over death um and that i have authority to bring life <clears throat> and and so there's this whole journey of like of authority and um that he is he comes and i, and I really like again when you mentioned it father innocent like it's, it's probably four or five weeks ago again like the um just jesus like with authority like telling this woman who, who who she is, Jesus with authority telling Lazarus to come out. There's this way in which it's like it's like he's like he's a conquering king, like and he's coming and he's coming to reestablish his authority and he's coming to um, to conquer, if you will, like these enemies and these other things trying to to fight for authority in his kingdom. And there's there's <clears throat> for me there's like this real sense of like of power of. Um, of, of, of authority, of, uh, of like confidence. And there's just something very, very strong um, uh, about Jesus on this journey uh, of, of conquering and reestablishing like uh, his authority and claiming back his authority. And then, so kind of before we <clears throat> go to Palm Sunday, continue just touching on any of like the journey we've been on up to here, would anybody like to, to comment? This is like a oral exam here. No, I, <laughs> so you just got to walk through. There's three things actually I want to talk you about. You guys just got to own it. If not, that's so okay. no. I, 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 I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I was just listening. I mean, I think you have. I obviously, this is me just being nice, but you, I mean, you, you present like the journey so well. So I, I was just there's a lot. I'm like, whoa, there's just a lot there. So that's why I was just like, wow, like, what do I think about that? Um, so we've been on a journey. We've been. <laughs> Could you just imagine that? Like you're in an exam with Monsignor Bocari. Like, well, I just need to take. A I'm just so moved by Monsignor. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I know the answer, but I just need a second. I'm yeah, just I just so need like. Can I just be grateful for you? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you're just. I mean, I'm not just saying that. Like you're really. Like, hey, listen, I'm really I'm being moved. And just to be here in this place. I'm, I'm just so moved. I'm, being I'm a seminarian. Um, I'm being sincere. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot going on we've been on a journey so that's that's just i mean i actually had i'll comment more on just like what kind of what this this week brings but i think like i think this whole journey um we're just it's funny like i just feel like we're getting to know jesus and that's kind of what stands out is that like we're like you're getting to know his heart right and we're talking about him as coming as the son of god Coming, coming as like this, like with his power and authority to to be the Lord of our own life, the Lord of our own identity, the Lord of disease, the Lord of death, you know, the Lord over death. Like he he comes, but it, he's just revealing himself to us. He's just revealing his heart to us. And that's what I guess I'm most moved by. There's so many encounters of real people over this Linton journey. 
um, and he he just he's again just revealing himself and who he is as the son of God and and we're at the climax of the journey now which is where I'll kind of hold off because I think as we dive in I've I have more to say but um, I just think. I just, yeah, that's what I guess I'm just moved by the way that Jesus has shown himself and revealed his heart to us over the over this line and the gift of who he is. I don't know the etymology of the word authority. Um, anyway, this is more like speaking it out loud, but author is right, somewhat attached, I would guess, to authority, maybe. Just own it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, retract this. I'll retract great. previous statement. Author is attached to the word authority. See, like, see how I did there? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but just even maybe help, it's helpful looking at it like that. Cause sometimes we could struggle with like authority and like people telling us what to do. And obviously it's different than people as opposed to Jesus where like he's the author of our life. Like he's the one who's writing um, the story and just gonna bring it to a happy conclusion or just to bring it to a place where if we give control over to him or we surrender these things, like, and we give him authority and allow him to be the author that writes the, the narrative and writes the script as opposed to trying to edit and say, no, 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 let's make it this way or that way. Things are just different. <clears throat> and so, but he in himself has the authority because it has been given to him on high, you know? And he says that right before like Pontius Pilate, like you would have no authority if it wasn't given already to you, you know? And so, um, and so he recognizes who he is. He knows who he is as a son of the father and this, what his mission is. And his mission is to save us from sin and death um, and to show us the way to the father. And it's in him that these things happen. And so, yeah, it's just beautiful because like his authority isn't one that lords it over us. It's not one that that causes us to to have to um, like bow down and 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 tremble before him like in this like dictative or dictative or dictator. Thank you. <laughs> dictatorship type of type of authority. Like he doesn't yield or, or wield a heavy hammer. Basically, he's not me. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get at. But he's always gentle and, you know, come to me all who are heavy laden and burdened and I will give you rest. That's his authority. Right. So it's just beautiful. Like this, that, that's the summary is this is like Jesus comes to show us the covenant again. And now we're going to see what he's willing to do for the sake of being faithful to his father. And he's obviously willing to go to the furthest end of death and, and assume all of our <clears throat> sin and brokenness on himself. So he shows us what it's like to be obedient. Good Holy Week. Blessed Holy Week. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Talking about the authority of Christ as he went to the cross and paid the price for our sins. That's Poco a Poco. If you want to hear the full podcast or previous episodes, you can check it out at our podcast central section at EWTNRadio.net. And when we take a short break, we're going to head back into continuing our Easter Sunday together. And you might have had questions if you went to Mass. Father Joseph and the Restless crew are going to unveil those mysteries of the Mass with Restless. Coming up next on this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN Radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. 
You're listening to Catholics Coast to Coast. I'm Ace McKay. As we get into Restless, just a reminder, while you're at Mass, it's okay to ask questions. We're revealing the mystery of them this week with Father Joseph and the Restless crew on our Podcast Central section and Catholics Coast to Coast. And welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself, Joe, and Paul as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in today's mixed-up and crazy world. And today, let's talk about some mayhem, some mass mayhem. Let's talk about the Mass. <laughs> this is Why Do Catholics Do That? Part 3. You know, so we've had two where we talked about various things like can Catholics get tattoos or whether Catholics can curse. But I think there's a lot of questions out there about the Mass. What is the Mass? How do you make the Mass not boring? You know, how do you get something out of the Mass? What is some of the details about the Mass? Because there's a lot of different uh, details that if someone just walked in off the street, they may say, well, why do Catholics, you know, make the three sign of the crosses, the gospel, and what does the word mass come from, and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to dive into some of those questions and maybe some questions that you guys have, and let's see if you can answer these tough questions. Some of your theological knowledge, Paul. What? Your eight years of CCD. I didn't have CCD. Yeah. I was in Catholic Yeah, that's right. You're, you're sorry, 12 years. I did Catholic. CYO for two years of confirmation prep because I went to public high school. All I know about CYO is a basketball league. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't play that. I learned everything that I know. Five, two. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, five, 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 five and five. a quarter, and a quarter, <laughs> and a quarter. Yeah. No. Uh, Bugsy Bogues was only five, three and played in the NBA. I think 95% of what I know about the faith occurred subsequent to high school. Yeah, that's probably most people, except for Joe, because he Joe had my confirmation class. It's 97% of what I know came after high school, is what you're saying? Just kidding. Just kidding. Father Joe was a great teacher way back when. Way back when. when. See prior episodes. See prior episodes. See for reference for prior episodes. (laughs) Please do. Please do. So let's talk about the Mass. So, first of all, the word Mass. uh, What does that mean? Where does it come from? Do you know? Well, it comes from the dismissal in Latin, right? Ite misa est. Right. Yeah. So, what does that mean? Misa. Go therefore, it is finished, right? Sounds like a Jar Jar Binks thing. Misa est. It does. It does. Yeah, it, goes, it means go therefore, it is finished, right? So, go. Like, mass is the idea of being sent, right? Right. Like a missionary or other words that come from that mission. You know, yeah. Be sent. Exactly. So, the whole point of that. Have you ever thought it ironic, though, that the very end of mass is, thanks be to God, it's over? Always, that's a joke. Yeah, that's a joke. Yeah. Insert, <laughs> or laugh, right? insert laugh track. <laughs> I, was, I always thought that was humorous. Oh, like, producer pleasing. Mass is over. Thanks uh, be to God. Well, it's particularly humorous at the end of the Easter vigil when we're actually meet it that way sometimes. Oh. You know? How long Depends we, on how many readings. I did all nine at my Easter vigil. Yeah, we don't do that. Oh, we don't do that. Come on, get hardcore. No. Well, I'm, I don't choose. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I wasn't going to say, hey, Father, you know, you really should be doing more reading. Go big or go home. There is a certain point you reach in the Easter vigil, you almost forget what you're doing, you know? It's like after the after confirmations and all the uh, sacraments of initiation, there was a moment where you're like, wait, why am I here again? It's been so long. I almost forgot like what brought me here. You know, was, I, that's how I experienced it this year. Oh, see, so yeah. I all of a sudden I was like, I almost like woke up. I was like, wait, where did I, how did I get here? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't have any sacraments of initiation oh, and that okay. takes out like a full 45 minutes right. yeah. out of the ceremony. So yes. it's, you know, they don't do that to the Basilica either. Yeah. And we had, we had, we had people being baptized, received as such, confirmed everything available. That's exciting when you have adults being baptized. And kids. They had kids too. Nice. Fa- family, one family. Yeah. That's really wonderful. A couple of, yeah. Good, good man. Where, where they, where they, where they come from? I mean, like what, what was their background? Do you know? I have no idea. Oh, okay. That's far above my pay grade. I, was, I was just there. To, I was there to hold the thurible. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been asking him questions. How'd you convert? Yeah, I should have interrupted Father Corey's homily to do so. But Yes, well, it's hard to do that. Father Corey's homilies are about a minute and a half. It's actually Father Harry, although I should say Father Corey's Good Friday homily went on for like 20 minutes. Whoa, yeah. he was trying to give everyone penance in the church. I felt sanctified by it. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good homily. It was a good homily. So back to the Eucharist and Father Corey, I hope you did not listen to this. I love Father Corey, I should say. Father Corey, it was a good homily. What's up with the Eucharistic fast? 
what is the what are the rules? Because a lot of people ask me that question. One hour before you receive. So is that true? It used to be three. So it used to be all day. Well, it used to be since midnight. Yeah, it used to be all day. And then it was three. Yeah. And then it was one. And then it kind of went away for like thirty years after, and you know, from the sixties on for a little while. I don't pump, think it ever officially. No, no, no. I mean, like it was, you know, went the way of. Okay, what's the real rule? Yeah, you're correct. An hour before you receive Holy Communion. But what if you go to a mass that's like two hours long? Can you like eat up to the first reading? So you're saying I could have brought a snack to the vigil. You could have. Just kidding. Don't really do that. <laughs> no, but it, that, what's the purpose of the Eucharistic fast? I mean, I think it makes, it makes, well, I, I don't know what the actual answer is, but like for me, it makes the whole act of going to mass more intentional, right? Because it's not just, I can't just decide to go to mass on a whim. It's like, all right, well, I had to decide an hour ago, like it means I'm preparing my body for it. I'm also preparing my mind for it. Mm. You know, that's at least part of it. I, I don't know what the actual reason is, but that's how I experience it. Like preparing your body. Yeah. I think it's to make it clear to our mouth that what we're receiving is not just another snack. Mm. You know, this is truly the flesh and blood of Christ. So does gum break the Eucharistic fast? You once told me it did. So I assume so. I think though in the catechism or the canon law, or whatever it is, says it's water and necessary medicine. Yes, agreed. Water and so necessary gum medicine. is not necessary medicine or water. Correct. Correct. That is it. Yep. That is the Eucharistic fast. Make sure you do it. Definitely. Don't be chewing gum in mass. It's something that drives me crazy. I see a lot of people do that, especially young people. Or be walking with your coffee. Right. Yeah, a lot of coffee. Yeah, like a lot of coffee in mass. Yeah, well, coffee some, has calories. By the way, it's not just water. Really? Like if it's black coffee? Yeah, it's like oh. three or four calories. It's got a little oil. Three or four. Oh, that's calories. true. Yeah, the oil, <laughs> oil and the caffeine and all that. True. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, but you know, during the mass, do you ever notice that the priest says a bunch of like private prayers mm. to himself? Secret, secrets. Yeah. Do you know what they are? Prayers. Um, one of them, <laughs> one of them is when the altar server pours water over his hands, and he says uh, something like, "Lord, wash me, wash away my iniquities, and cleanse me of all my sins." Yes, that actually has a really interesting backstory of why they do that. Because so in the early church, if you're taking up the collection, what is it? It's not money; it's bread and olives and chickens yeah. and like whatever you're actually offering. And oftentimes, a lot of food items, things that are messy and dirty. And so if the priest is receiving these at the altar, and he's like, "I got to wash my hands after that." And a lot of the things that the priests do is it started out very practical and became very symbolic. Like even what the priest wears, uh, you know, the alb was just simply the toga that people would have worn in the first century. Not toga, tunic. Yeah. Tunic. Tunic, yeah. The toga, toga, toga is like the toga's Greek, another thing. Like, uh, like college Greek fairs, they wear togas. Yeah, but no, the uh, Romans wear togas too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, okay, so that's one of the, the private prayers. When else does the priest say a private prayer? Um, when he or the deacon mixes the water and wine, I don't remember the full prayer. Yes, when he mixes the water and the wine. He says something like, um, by the mystery of the, of the mingling of this water and wine, something, 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 something. May we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. There you go. And that one's pretty rich because just like, like once you put water and wine together, you can't take them out. They're mixed together forever. So in the same way, like Christ's humanity and divinity cannot be separated. Yeah. That, yeah. They're together forever. So you're, you're good at this, Paul. Do you then know there's other prayer. <laughs> well, were, I don't know. You I were, knew that. Yeah, you I observe. <laughs> no, I knew the... Lord, wash me and please come. So, I knew that there are there. I know yeah. where the prayers are, and, but I cannot. Well. I cannot tell you exactly what they what are. What is the official blessing the priest gives the deacon for proclaiming the gospel? Yes, the priest says to the deacon, he says, "May the Lord be in your heart and on your lips, that you may proclaim His holy gospel worthily and well." Mm. But well, what does a priest say then when they, they say something similar? Right? He does say something similar. He says, "Cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may worthily proclaim Your holy gospel." And I just opened my Roman Missal to read that from there. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was so seamless. Nobody would have known otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I know. I shouldn't have <laughs> revealed my secrets. And actually, when a priest kisses the gospel, he also says, may the words of this gospel wipe, through the words of this gospel, may our sins be wiped away. Hmm. Right. Now, now, what's going on um, during the Agnus Dei? Because the priest is doing all kinds of stuff that nobody realizes. That's he's true. He's genuflecting. He's, he's, he's moving things around. Walk us through that a little bit, Father. He's not saying the Agnus Dei. Nothing that's specifically for the people to say. That's because he's busy waving all of his friends at the back for the, for the sign of peace, right? <laughs> Flashing <laughs> peace signs and whatnot. I, Wait, so the priest doesn't say the Agnus Dei at all? I mean, he can, but it's, yeah. Because, you know, like sometimes you'll read something no, and the, then the, the, or you'll say it privately while the congregation is. In, in the ritual, it says, uh, meanwhile, the following is said or sung, not by the priest, just it's said or sung. Mm. So... Yeah, actually, so there's a couple of things that's going on right there where the priest is saying something. So he takes the host, he breaks it, and he says something. The fractal right, right? Fra- yeah, the fractioning right. And he says, may the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to us to receive it. And that actually has a really interesting backstory too, because back in the early church, dioceses were really small. Like, it's, it's really interesting to me to go to Assisi, mm-hmm. because you can see Perugia. Perugia, yeah. And Perugia is a separate diocese. So you can stand in the sea of wow. one diocese and see the head of the other diocese. And that's like pretty mind boggling when you live in America and like the entire state of Wyoming is one diocese. Right. You know, but, but in those days, if you had like, maybe there were just like 20 churches or 13 churches in your diocese at, at the Bishop's mass, he would fracture the Eucharist and the deacons would take a particle of the Bishop's host and bring it to all the other masses that were being celebrated so that the pastor could put it in to kind of show that unity with the Bishop. So that's how that came from. Mm-hmm. But now with the words, you know, may the mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, it wants to make clear that if you receive the body, you also receive the blood. And if you receive the blood, you also receive the body. Mm-hmm. That's because he, the, the priest fractures the host and then puts part or both halves in the precious blood. Just part of one half, yeah. So that's why. So, so she's actually united. Because I was thinking, why would the unity be stressed when he's fracturing the host? It's because he's uniting the body with the blood. Right obviously they're fully present in both species, but he's reuniting the two species of them. Yeah. Gotcha. D- before that though, before the, before the, the canon, before the consecration, Eucharistic prayer, there's other prayers too. So after the blessed be God of all creation for years, we have this wine to offer. And then after that, there's like this, and then there's a bow. I'm doing right. it, which no one can see, but <laughs> it looked, it looked great though. Let me just Thank say you. Actually, and then, it looked a little Buddhist then, to be honest, but okay, well, I'm not a priest as it turns out. Or a Buddhist. Or a Buddhist. As far as I know. As far as I know. A closet Buddhist. <laughs> a closet unconscious Buddhist. Wow. This is the worst type. It goes, it goes deep. <laughs> Everywhere. It, goes, it, goes deep. it must be systemic. It goes deep. Yeah, no, he does say something. He says, with humble spirit and contrite heart, may we be accepted by you, O Lord. May our sacrifice in your sight this day be pleasing to you, Lord God. So it's really kind of recognizing that this is a sacrifice. Let me ask a question, Father. Why is it important that these prayers be said silently or sort of voce and not loud enough for the congregation to hear? Some priests I have seen will say every one of these loud enough for people to hear. Yeah. A big reason is because these, many of these are for the priest's private devotions. Mm. They're for the priest. They're not for the people. So the priest needs to make clear when he's speaking on behalf of the people, when he's speaking on behalf of the Lord, and when he's speaking on behalf of himself. So then question. So for those of us who occasionally attend the Latin mass, um, most of the mass that the priest says is private. Yes. That's Uh, for a different reason. Why is that? That's because nobody could understand Latin. So they just said it. But isn't that only in a low mass or am I not? Am I no, I mass too. I mass too, yeah. Know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ultimately that really is because, well, for two reasons. One, one is that the church wanted to make it clear that, that the sacrifice 
was valid when a priest offered it. It didn't have, like the people didn't have to participate. So even if one priest offered the sacrifice, it was still a valid mass. Mm-hmm. Unlike, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters who believe really that it's just kind of, it's the congregation that offers the praise to God, not just the priest. They wanted to kind of, church kind of wanted to say, no, actually it really is just the priest offering the sacrifice. Could you say in Novo Sordo, can you say the Eucharistic prayer in a low voice? Or do you have to say it so that it can be heard? Um, actually, it says very clearly. The only the only specific directions is given when you have to when you say the um, the words of institution have to be audible, right? And it says not just audible, but but clear and, and crisp. Wow, that's so different than Latin Mass because that's also says, quiet. Yes, yeah, says quote in the formulas that follow, the words of the Lord should be pronounced clearly and distinctly as the nature of these words require. But that makes sense to me because it should be crisp because these words. Are affecting mat are affecting you know matter. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, you don't want to slur it, or right? Because then it gets in question mumble. of validity, right? Chris, like slow down and enunciate, right? I like that. So that's why, and and yeah, you you make it very known to everyone in the church that this these are special words. This is my body. It shouldn't just be like this is my body. I'm trying to think, the only in the Latin Mass, the only part of the canon that's slightly audible is us for us sinners, or something like that. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess then he's speaking on behalf of all the people. Yeah, I think so. And it's only slightly. It actually says it in the missal. It says slightly audible. Hmm. And so, like, if you're at a Latin mass, you might hear. Hmm. <laughs> that's it. That's all you hear. And you it's like, okay, again? now I know where I'm. I gotta flip to the right page because I'm behind. You know, like, or I'm ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting in the Latin mass. Often the priest will begin. Like he'll begin the Gloria, Gloria in excelsis Deo. And then say it. And then he'll say the rest and the choir will just go nuts. They'll start, you know, singing this beautiful long hymn and everything. Mm. And the priest finished and he just stands there. Or sits. Or sits. Sometimes he sits if it's really long. Yep. Kind of interesting. Yeah, the choir has a, a very outsized role in the traditional Latin Mass. Hmm. Yeah, but if it's or, a high mass. So. Or or not. Yes, but it but it's never in sync. Like the Kyrie, when they sing the Kyrie, it could be five minutes long. It's nowhere near where the priest has already said it. How could a six-word song be five minutes long? Oh, you'd be surprised. Well, they say it. I well, they say, they say <laughs> No, they say they say each one three times. So it's actually nine. Lord. It's nine lines. Yeah. Wow. Nevertheless. So, so anyway, I mean, it's amazing how long they can hold out that e on Kyrie. Or or how Kyrie. many in the Agnus Dei? How many Dona Nobis Pachams you could possibly have? You need at least thirty-five. Uh, a minimum. minimum. <laughs> why would you? Why do you need more than one? Don't know this Pacham. Because uh, we really want that piece. Because it was written by Mozart, and that's yeah. the way it is. They were paid by the note. Is that what it is? No, I don't know. I don't know. Should be. It's not like newspapers paid by the word or lawyers. Lawyers are paid by the word. Yeah, cease and desist, null and void. They mean the paid, same paid by the minute. Oh, that's true. Or by the by the hour. Well, I'd, I'd heard that that's why Charles Dickens's novels were so long. Yeah, he was by paid the by the word. It was in serial, meaning it was like a chapter <laughs> would be issued every. Is that, why, is that why some priest homilies were so long? Do you get paid by the minute, by the minute or by the word? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I find that your homilies are always appropriate in length. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, now that I've begun, by the way, this shameless plug, you can find my podcast at homilies on aflameforchrist.podbean.com. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. On Spotify. Oh, really? Yeah, all my, all my homilies are online now. Is it on Apple Podcasts? I'm no. But it's on Google Play and all that, and Spotify okay. and all that stuff. But... Uh, but now that I'm now that I'm I'm taping my homilies or taping that's like a 1990 taping? word. That's good. <laughs> now that I'm recording, recording recording my homilies. Will you mail me the cassette. I will. <laughs> it's an eight track. player. There were between like six and eight minutes, and I was like, wow. I thought I thought I went too long. I thought it was like a 12, 15 minute, but no, it's shorter. But you, your delivery is different into a microphone privately than with a congregation for sure. Probably that's probably true. in person. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, Baby's so you crying. you don't. Oh, so this isn't recorded. No. Live. No, I record it just privately and. Oh, okay. Okay. Post it. Yeah. 
So we don't get, there's no laugh track on it in case you say you're. There's no laugh track on it. There's no laugh track. (laughs) Do you sub in baby voice crying? I haven't heard any yet, but I've been listening, but you should do that. (laughs) Have somebody crying in the background. You know, I I surprisingly don't hear that. It never bothers me. Yeah. Priests always say that they don't even notice it. Some priests, some priests do. I've never noticed it. You get a look. I don't know. Anyway, there's, there's one more private prayer and then we'll move on to the next question. Um, But that's, um. Right body, before mighty body and blessed bread of Christ bring us to everlasting life. Oh, that's yeah, that's one. That's kind that, of, that could be. I've heard a lot of priests say that out loud, though. Yeah, yeah. me too. It says says quietly. Mm. Those priests, yeah. The other, <laughs> the other one is right before receiving Holy Communion, he prays, "Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit through your death gave life to the world, free me by this your most holy body and blood from all my sins and from every evil, and keep me always faithful to your commandments, and never let me be parted from you." When is that story? I actually have heard a priest say that one out loud. Right before receiving Holy Communion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's before a very- Before the priest sees Holy Communion. Yeah, right yeah, for the priest. And so it's a very private prayer for the priest to- Oh, okay. That's why you see some priests like bend down for a while. Yes. And then right he genuflects the right after that. Right. Ah, okay. And then and then receives the blood? No, the blood. That's right before- the, That's right before the behold the Lamb of God. Oh, that's right before the- Ah, yeah. uh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. So now you know why priests mumble a lot while the Lamb of God is going on. He has a lot of prayers to say. Right. Right, and, right, uh, right. But that's a, that's a rich moment of just but, being with the Lord. <clears throat> yeah. A concelebrating priest never says any of these prayers, right? Um, always, is always the main celebrant who most, always says them? Most concelebrating priests will say the prayer right before receiving Holy Communion. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because it's, it's you know our personal right. worship of the Lord. What What is required? Now another question for you. We could pro- probably should move on. But what <laughs> no. what does the concelebrating priest have to say to be like for his, to, to make it qualify for like his mass of the day? so to speak. So a lot of people don't realize this. Priests are not required to say mass every day. They're not required to, but they're encouraged. They're encouraged. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So what does he have to say? I mean, typically they say the words institution I mean, or if the whole Eucharistic prayer, if they know yeah, it. They go like, yeah. If you know it, but if, but for example, if I'm celebrating, you know, con celebrating a mass with Pope John Paul II, hmm. which is not possible because he's dead, but <laughs> Pope <laughs> He's present at every mass. Um, that's true. Friend, the yeah. communion of saints. Yeah. But if I'm, you know, if I'm celebrating with Pope Francis and I don't know Latin or Italian or whatever language he's speaking in, I would just simply hold out my hand and, and, and it make kind of a, a, just a general intention of con celebrating with him. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So it's not really strict, hard and fast rules mm-hmm. of that. Right. Right. So let's talk about bread and wine. Can we use uh, cinnamon bread? Why, why not? That's in the spirit of the council. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I believe there are restrictions on what it can contain, right? Yes. Yeah. Like wheat and Such water. A wheat and water should be it. And that's it. Should be it, yes. Unleaded. What happens Unleaded. the what happens if I've had leavened bread? Leavened bread is valid but not licit. Which means I'm fascinating. That, I did not know that. Yes. There was one time <laughs> now this is down in Baltimore, so you'll have to excuse it, but there was one time I was I was hiking and I was a seminarian. I was hiking with a priest and we got to the top of this mountain. I was leading this group of boys up, up this mountain. We get to the top and we're like, We're gonna have mass, it's great. He's like, Did you bring the host? No. Did you bring the host? No. Shoot. It's like twenty miles back to our the campsite and like, oh man, that's not good. So he's like, I'll take care of it. And he starts running down the trail. He comes up with this he comes up with this family that's coming up and he says, Do you guys have any bread? They're like, actually, we're going to make sandwiches up top. We have a whole loaf of Wonder Bread. Oh, there you go. And oh, no. <laughs> so he took it and he used it as, as Eucharist. What about a tortilla no. that only has no, 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 wheat no. and water? Tortilla. I think it's, it's unleavened. Valid. It's got no yeast. Yeah, but the leavening doesn't matter. Oh, the leavening doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Well, you said it's licit. not licit. Not licit, which means it's, it's, it's still oh, valid. But, but the like sacrament Wonder happens. Bread is going to have enriched and a lot of other junk in it. No, no, no. That's, but that's, I think, still valid. It still is valid. As long as it's... You know, I think we're brushing past the illicit thing too quickly. 
it's, it's not okay. It's still no surgical abuse. No, no, but that's a serious abuse. question. Like if you're using bread that's enriched with niacin and riboflavin and this and that and the other thing, like those aren't naturally occurring. What does the missile say about riboflavin, Father? Can you turn to that <laughs> section? You know what I mean? Like, like Wonder Bread is enriched with calcium and, and vitamin and B vitamins and all that kind of stuff. Is it bad that I choose whole wheat hosts because they're healthier than white hosts? I'm assuming that's a joke. No, I'm not. It's oh, not you a joke. Really? I have, no, you really do. Yeah. What about gluten-free hosts? They always have. They always have a tiny bit of. Gluten. Right. They're never gluten-free. It's point zero 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 one percent. Super low gluten. Right. But it has to have gluten to be bread. Mm-hmm. So, basically, it's it should be wheat bread with no additives. How many additives are allowed? I, yeah, I don't know. I'll let the church decide on that one. But that's nice of you. <laughs> There's a pastor in our diocese who was telling me this story about you know it became very customary in the 70s for people to bake their own bread for communion. And so one time he was celebrating mass with this home-baked loaf of bread. It was, I guess it was unleavened, I don't know. And he gets to the fracturing right and he fractures it and it starts flowing out of the middle because it wasn't baked all the way. Oh. So they actually put Jesus back in the oven and took him back. <laughs> well, if it's not, it has to be bread though. Like yeah. uncooked bread is not bread. Isn't it? Ooh. Uncooked bread is, is not it's bread. bread. It's dough. Oh, you have an interesting point there. So would yeah. the outside crust be Jesus, but not the inside gooey part? Oh, but, I mean, I, I, it's not it's not defined in canon law. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, the church fathers did not foresee this happening. I, think. I, I heard stories of um, the, the home-baked bread fiasco thing where there's raisins. The priest doesn't realize until he gets to the word of institution and then he has to pray silently in his mind, may most of this or something like that. You know, like, it's like, all right, like, just <laughs> knock out the raisins. I mean, oh Lord, maybe we can do this, this properly. This I don't makes know. me cry. And this is why people like turn to the traditional Latin mass. Right? Like the this ones, kind of stuff. Is yeah, nuts. right. Because the father by, tried using, using, using whole, you know, goldfish for the Eucharist. The hosts <laughs> that are made for the mass. Right. Exactly. And there you go. Not a problem. That's it. Just do it right. There's a couple of companies right. in the United States that make them. A lot of people ask that. Who makes the bread? So who does? There's like a company Probably in Rhode Island or something. Or There's a company in Rhode Island. That yeah. makes for like half the country. There's some nuns that make it too, but they're, they're, that unfortunately is dwindling. Mm. Less people are buying from the nuns. They're more expensive. But right. What about wine? What kind of wine can you use? Certain alcohol. You can use white or red. Yeah. You can, you can use rosé. It has to be grape wine. You can use rosé. It does have to be grape. Yes. And I actually had a really big debate with a priest in our diocese as to whether or not you have to have a, a minimum alcohol content. Do you? I don't think you do. I thought you did. He was arguing like, like six, 15 or 16%. Not 15 and I was like, 16, like that's like really the high. Wine. Yeah. And like the sacramental wine is only 12.5%. Yeah. I think, I remember that, in, but the priest can get concession from the bishop to use like grape must, right? Yes. Growing up, my priest was Why, I feel like uh, a struggle. alcoholic or something. Yeah. yeah my priest struggled with alcoholism. About that. He, used, he used mustum. So it's, there's a thing in the missile, though, that specifies what happens if the priest suddenly realizes after consecrating the host that he actually is holding a chalice of water into which wine was never poured. So, which leads me to think there must be a minimum alcohol content. Huh. I will say one time I was celebrating mass and I poured the wine and it had a different viscosity. I was like, what's going on here? And the altar server had actually accidentally taken some of the oil of the sick and filled the cruet with it. Oh no. And I mean, I've caught that before the consecration, but the reason he did that is because we had no more wine in the sacristy. Oh, so I had to stop mass, go over to the rectory find a bottle of wine and come back and finish mass. And it took me a good 25 minutes, 30 minutes to find this bottle of wine. It was crazy. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> it's not too many. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. Whoa. That's wild. It was a St. Yeah. Mary's in Stanford. Yeah. But, so let's talk about the vestments. What colors can we use in the liturgy? It depends on the day. Right. And, w- and where you are in the world. Because some places have their sp- a special color. 
Do they really? Some a lot of blue, some don't, right? It's There's true. a special color, I think, for the ambrosian right? Oh, really? Ooh, I didn't know that. I believe I'm correct in saying Have you ever heard Probably the ambrosian right? I've never heard the No, right. but I've, I think one of my minor life goals is to experience all the rights of the Catholic Church. That's so, a lot, because there's a lot of rights. It's about 27. Yeah. So. <laughs> I have to, be, have to be in Milan to experience yeah. the ambrosian right, yeah. so... Yeah, there's a couple of rites. There's the Mozarabic Mose, rite, which is only in Toledo, Spain. I watched a YouTube video of the Cyro Malabar rite. This mm. was after putting my two weeks notice at work, so I was effectively off the clock, you know? <laughs> I didn't have much work to do, so I was watching. It's like two and a half hours long. It's beautiful. Holy cow. Oh my goodness. Wow. Awesome. That's that's Byzantine of some sort, right? No, it's it's actually in India. Oh, Cyro it's Malabar, in India. Cyro Malabar. But it's not in a, in a style that... I would recognize for me they're Byzantine or Roman or oh, I don't know I don't know I've never seen a Byzantine right it's okay. it's recognizable insofar as there's a priest with vestments that look familiar and you get with a host you can I mean you could tell obviously it's Catholic it's beautiful yeah. that's interesting a lot of anyway. I think a lot of people listening may not realize that we have so many different rites yeah. within the Catholic Church they think yeah. they know the way they, their little parish does it is the only way but yeah well it's understandable right because a Roman Catholic right is so big and so yeah, vast Some, that yeah. all the other Church. ones are small. Like Ambrosian, right? It's only in like one diocese. It's, it's, I in, assume, it's right? only in Milan. It's in Milan. Yeah. It's the only place you can do it. Oh, the, like licitly is the only place you can do it. Yeah. There's no like church in the United States. Right? Nope. Nope. You can't do it outside oh, of Milan. I was in Milan. I should have gone. I didn't you should have gone. I didn't know about it. Yeah. At the time. Now I do. But um, the main colors, right? Green, red, purple, white, or gold. Yes. Blue would be Rose. the green color. Permissible in some cases. Rose. Thank you. And? Black. Black. Ah, black. Black. We black just actually favorite. had a, uh, this year we had a memorial mass for my um, my grandmother who passed away in 2020. And so the priest wore black. Good. Good. I think it's a beautiful fitting Very thing. Cool looking. What, what, most priests wear white, right? For a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wear black? I don't have a black vestment. I'm going to hopefully get one soon. So instead I use purple, which is allowed for, for uh, funerals. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because white's a symbol of rejoicing. So unless I know the person's like lived a super virtuous holy life, I don't want to rejoice too soon mm, mm. <laughs> but you know purple is the color of repentance so this is the perfect time to say you know, let's, let's repent hmm. interesting do we miss any colors by the way no I think we got all of them I don't think so it's all the colors that, that there are isn't there what aren't those all the colors that exist well it's there's, like there's white and orange, gold they're like orange and white and gold yeah. are orange, yellow. interchangeable right? yeah white and gold to some extent yeah yeah they are blue like for Marian feasts will be kind of added to the white yeah which is cool. I loved how Saint Saint John Vianney said that he made he had a vestment made with just like just barely enough of a strip of white to be considered a white vestment, but mostly blue because he loved uh, Our Lady so much. Hmm. Also, um, sometimes it looks almost silvery for Our Lady, which is really cool, like a silvery bluish situation. Yes, pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So if you do the optional memorial for a day, do you have to? Well, I guess that would be a feast day. No, I guess not. Never mind. I take that before. But yeah, like if you if it's a martyr's feast on like a Tuesday, you wear red. Yeah. yeah. Although almost, I've almost never seen a priest like change the altar cloths to match. That's an awful lot of work. <laughs> Must be. Some churches they do. Yeah. So St. John's they used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there wasn't much, there wasn't much to change for, unless it was like big feast day, pancakes. Yeah. So tell me, how many times can you receive Holy Communion in a day? Because I get asked this question a whole lot. More than once. It's twice. One has to be in the context of a mass. I believe. That's See, I was always under the impression that you can receive it twice, but both have to be masses. No, I, I could, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I've, I believe I've heard that it is, if you receive twice, at least one must be in the context of a mass. Okay. But that could be wrong. I don't know. My thinking is like, if you go to some sort of, let's say you receive communion because you're homebound or something like that. And then for some unforeseen circumstance, you end up, you end up in a mass or whatever. It's like a second, the thing is like, if you do it the second time, it has to be a mass. You can't just be taking communion like every hour because you want to. Yeah. You can't get in line and just get back in line and just circle around. 
That's an interesting thing, though, because I've been in a situation in which a priest consecrated too many hosts, and it'll just hand you like like ten. So yeah, even communion once. So it's one one person one sitting. Like, you yes, know? and and that's the whole reason why the church has said for a long time only one per day because people would kind of try to rack them up as if they were getting closer to Jesus by receiving twenty five hosts instead of one. But yeah, when I was, it used to be very popular to have home masses. And so my parents had our priest over for a home mass with a few other people. And uh, he consecrated so many hosts that we did actually go through the line twice. And he consecrated so much precious blood that we were going through the, the, the line of that twice. And the guy right in front of me consumed the rest. And I was so mad. I was like nine or 10 years old at the time. Oh, I see. But that's out of practical necessity, right? That's yes. Different. It's different. Yeah, different, different right. practical necessity. So how much of a mass do you have to attend for it to count? Quote, oh, this, this is, I've heard so many different answers on this. Yeah, I've do you have heard, to come for the gospel? gospel yeah. like, I really don't know. I know that a priest cannot begin celebrating, I think after the main celebrants enter the altar or enter the sanctuary rather, or catch the altar. There's a point at which a celebrating priest can't even join in. Well, that makes sense. You don't want yeah. people just yeah. walking right up. But, yeah. but what about for a regular I have no idea. person? It's in the, like, there's no, there's no rule on it, right? Am I right about that? Or is there a rule? I think it's like prudential judgment or something like that. It, it used to be the gospel. Right. You had to attend to the gospel, before the gospel. Yeah. Right. Now I think it's, I think it depends on the circumstances, right? You're trying to get there. It's the last mass of the day and you get a flat tire. And so you come in, you know, right after the gospel or whatever. Or if a hypothetical priest in our diocese begins eight o'clock mass at 755 every morning. That doesn't sound hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, hypothetically speaking, and your hypothetical interlocutor sometimes shows up a little bit late, meaning at eight o'clock, and they're oh already, for a daily and mass, they're, and they're already mid gospel. They're already way. They're already mid gospel. So yeah, so that can be that can be a real issue. Yeah, but yeah. So finally, last question, last question, because we're running out of time. If you could give one piece of advice to help make the mass not boring, what piece of advice would you give to our listeners? How to get something out of the mass? How to how to really engage in it? Um, show up looking what, to what you can give, not what you can receive. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, I would say learn the words, pay attention to the prayers, conform your whole body to the sacrifice that's happening in front of you. Worship with your whole body. It's hard to, it's hard to zone out when you're doing that. Beautiful. What would you say, Father? I would say um, come to Mass not, not solely out of obligation, no. but because you deeply want to love the Lord. Hmm. It's really about your intention entering into it. And you will get great, amazing graces. Amazing graces. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. Hope you, hopefully you learned a thing or two about the Mass. And hopefully you grew an appreciation for the depths of the riches and the wisdom and just the amazing uh, nature of what the Mass is. Tune in next time. Hopefully that answers some of your questions about Mass from this week. And especially coming off of Holy Week, maybe you had a chance to go a little more frequent, got into that routine, which what Lent's for, right? To create better habits and a closer walk with God. So if you want to check out Restless or even other podcasts, we've got that available on our Podcast Central section. Go to EWTNRadio.net and all this week, you got plenty of programs to choose from at your disposal and you can download our mobile app as well to have them with you anytime, anywhere. I'm Ace McKay. Remember this week to let God define who you are and I'll see you again with Catholics Coast to Coast. Coast.